The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Made Hoops podcast, featuring your hosts, Eric Hampford and Brian Flynn, as they take you through everything there is to know on the grassroots basketball circuit, including a spotlight on all the emerging elite middle school basketball talent from coast to coast, including the big time Made Hoops events, highlighting tomorrow's college and NBA stars. Now it's time to lace them up and take the floor with Made Hoops. Welcome to the Made Hoops podcast, episode five. I am your host, Eric Hamford, our national middle school director of scouting, joined as always by my co-host, Brian Flynn, our national high school director of scouting. Brian, happy birthday. Thank you very much. Feels super weird to say that I'm 30 now. Uh, I don't like it at all, and I already look like a 40-year-old, so we're good. Yeah, you're an old head. It is what it is. Uh, I wanted to get that out of the way so you couldn't take any shots at me after the podcast if I didn't wish you a happy birthday to all our listeners. So any of you who see Brian in your travels, in the gym, on the subway, in the city, wherever you see him, please wish him happy birthday. And the countdown to 60 begins now for him. So on this podcast, we are going to be talking about our West Coast. Winter Circuit Session 2, our East Coast Winter Circuit Session 2, and Brian was recently up in Springfield, Massachusetts at the Hoop Hall Classic, so he's going to provide some high school coverage as well. We've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, our, our West Coast Winter Circuit Session 2 took place the first weekend of the new year, so I know, Brian, it was your first time out in Los Angeles. What was the overall impression of the city and the overall West Coast SoCal vibe for you? Yeah, so I have to say that I appreciate the more relaxed nature out there. You know, being a New Yorker, I'm very used, very much used to the hustle and bustle. And, I mean, obviously we were driving around that one night or Sunday night after the event, and it seemed like the city was a bit of a ghost town, which I can appreciate. Um, I, also, the weather was just absolutely perfect. It wasn't really hot. It wasn't really cold. Uh, I could live in shorts and a T-shirt, so I was really kind of starting to envision myself out there, but uh, I'm also broke, so that's never going to happen. That being said, once we set foot in the gym, it certainly wasn't relaxed. Some teams were looking to lock their places into the finale early, while others were looking to get back on track and get back into that playoff race because we only have one more session left after this. So there was certainly a feeling of um, determination and I think a little bit of, for some teams, desperation. Yeah, the West Coast... It's a completely different vibe altogether. I can obviously appreciate the 70-degree temperatures in January. We spent Monday decompressing, hanging out on Venice Beach and Santa Monica Pier, which was a lot of fun. And, yeah, the Session 2 action was a lot of fun because we got to see some separation from teams in both the 8th and 7th grade divisions. Let's start by talking a little bit about the 8th grade division, where two teams in particular have emerged as serious title contenders in March. Paul George Elite and Vegas Elite. Both currently sport 7-0 records. For Vegas Elite, they've been extremely impressive, including a big win against Aim High to close out their Sunday session, where they prevailed 67-54. The continued improvement and emergence of guard Jace Richardson has been huge for them as he put together one of the best weekends of any prospect in the division. What did you see from Paul George Elite last weekend, and who's your championship favorite And right now, now that we're two sessions into Winter Circuit West Coast play? 
Well, that Paul George team was already undefeated coming into session two, and they added one of the best players in the league to their team in V.J. Miller. So having him to go alongside James Evans and Isaiah Elohim gives them a high three-level producers that can basically match up with anybody in the entire league. That being said, Vegas Elite is still my pick for the title favorite. In terms of other teams in the hunt in the 8th grade division, you have Aim High sitting at 5-2 and two with a roster of big athletic kids who continue to ingel and improve. Brian, what did you like about Aim High's team this past weekend? As a group, there's a, as big and athletic as any team in the league, and their size on the wings allows them to switch a lot of things defensively without really creating a weak spot in their defense. Micah Smith emerged as one of the most productive players out there, and his first game, it was his shot blocking and post play that stood out. He looked more comfortable operating from the wing as the weekend went along, so that's a really uh, promising development for them. Yeah, I thought Micah played really well. He was definitely one of my favorite prospects from Session 2, and he was definitely a threat in Session 1, but it seems like he's gaining a lot of confidence. Moving on, we have the Truth Flight, who sits at 6-1, and one, and I really like the construction of their team. If their best three to four guys can assert themselves more in Las Vegas for Session 3, I wouldn't be surprised to see them peak at the right time at Championship Weekend. Their 6'4 wing, Jaden Harper, is one of the best long-term prospects in the entire league, and if he can continue to put it together over the next two stops, watch out. He's a versatile kid who can help them not only in the scoring department, but as a defensive and rebounding piece as well. Then you have Arizona Supreme at 4-3 and three with arguably the best guard-forward duo in the league and point guard Braden Speed and 6'6 forward Malik Razul. What impressed you about the Arizona Supreme group? Yeah, you mentioned Rasul. To me, he's the toughest scorer in the league this season. And has playing, been playing with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, we saw it. You might have seen the mixtape that we put out on him uh, last week, but there's a point where he actually motions to his defender and holds his hand down to the ground to call him too small. And that's kind of been his whole mindset in these first two sessions is that he knows he's bigger and tougher than a lot of the other guys that are trying to guard him out on the wing, and he's absolutely taking advantage of people. He absolutely is. And let's not forget, this is his second year in the West Coast circuit now. So he's already been through this. He knows the expectations and he's gotten bigger, faster, stronger. So it really isn't anyone's surprise that he's one of the better players in the league. But he really has improved from the perimeter and been a dominant force altogether. Lastly, let's not sleep on the one-time legends, a.k.a. the fighting Tracy McGrady's, who went 4-0 in Los Angeles, pushing their record to 5-2 overall. Jaquil Regist, a 6-4 athletic wing, continues to have a very strong circuit, as does 6-2 guard Deshaun Brody and 7th grade starting point guard Chase Garcia, who not only is playing up but standing out for his team. They're a physical group that likes to create turnovers and turn them into transition scores. That's really what gets them going in most games. All right, so if you had to make an eighth-grade league honor roll for Session 2, which prospects would be on it? Yeah, my honor roll would have to be Micah Smith first and foremost, and then Jaquil Regist, uh, Josiah Cunningham, whose emergence is another talented combo guard, only makes Vegas elite that much more dangerous. Um, and then rounding out my honor roll, I would say Charlie Eckert, uh, who has been really productive through two sessions now for Colorado Premier as a 6-1 guard, um, he's got a nice polish and skill set offensively already. Um, and then also we need to talk about Marcus Washington, kid for Oakland Soldiers who's playing in the post. He might not be the biggest upside kid on that team, but he's certainly one of the most productive right now. And he's somebody who's already willing to do the things, the little winning play things that a lot of these guys at this age don't want to do. I absolutely agree. I think Marcus is one of the more underappreciated eighth graders that we have currently. Um 
He's a consistent threat to be a double-double guy. He's really active on the glass. He's athletic. He has long arms. He doesn't really say much on the court, honestly. To him, it's all about just playing hard and making plays. Uh, while the soldiers have struggled as a group, I mean, he's been a bright spot for them. He's really put together a nice circuit to this point. Now, for the second session in a row, six-one guard Trent Perry was impressive for the truth flight. He's one of those interchangeable pieces who fills the stat sheet and steps up when things matter on the defensive end. As he refines his ball skills and perimeter shot, he's going to become a really good player out west. Another player who was impressive was Give Sports 6-2 wing AC Earl, who goes by Kareem. I really like his size and the way he can score it. And if the name sounds familiar, it's because he's the son of former Iowa star and NBA first-round draft pick AC Earl. So the bloodlines are there as well. I mean, Earl is a guy who had a really good weekend, but I think that's enough talking about the 8th grade division now. Let's spend a little bit of time focusing on the 7th grade. Um, For me... I think the game of that entire weekend was the Truth OC's 58-55 triple overtime win over AEBC Skyriders. That game was for second in the division. Um, you know, Truth OC's best player through that game was a kid named Cole Liner. If that name sounds familiar to you, it is because he is the son of former USC quarterback Matt Liner. I think that's how Matt and everyone else would like to remember Matt anyway. Um, but in that game, Cole came up top, big every single time and ultimately in that triple ot where you have to win by three he just came walked right down and knocked down a three and that was the end of it so he already knows how to get that team and how to will them to win and that's something that a lot of kids his age aren't able to do there's a lot of kids who are seniors in high school who can't take over a game like that and he's already got that killer instinct who are some guys in the 2025 class that has impressed you that weekend though eric Yes, I was a big fan of Cole Leinert. I thought he had a really good weekend. And shout out to Matt Leinert, who represented both days in the gym, rocking his USC Trojans fitted cap. And let's talk about some of the other guys that we had star power wise. We obviously had Kobe coaching up his daughter's team. We had T Mac coaching the one time legends, J.R. Ryder coaching his AEBC Skyriders team who are fighting for their playoff lives in the seventh grade division. We had Robert, Big Shot Bob, Ori in attendance, Swaggy P, Zach Randolph, Jason Richardson, and VJ Miller's dad has actually soaked the shocker. So we had a collection of stars in the gym watching, you know, the future of the sport with our youth at the Made Hoops West Winter Circuit. So let's move on to my seventh grade standouts. We had Aim High point guard Eric Chatfield Jr. He runs his team, leading them to a 6-0 and record thus far. He's a skilled point guard, knows how to score, but he also knows how to get his teammates in spots to score as well. The most dominant player I've seen in the division right now, however, is 6'4 San Diego Soldiers forward Adam Grissom. The kid is a beast around the rim. He has no problem telling everyone about it uh, on the court as well. A third player I'd like to recognize is Arizona Supreme versatile forward Efiosa Oliagu. At 6'1", he has the size and strength to bully people around the basket, but he's also quick enough and skilled enough to take defenders to the wing where he's capable of doing damage as well. Yeah, for me in the 7th grade division, uh, the one guy that really sticks with me besides Liner is Tremaine Sweet P. Anderson. Uh, probably the best nickname on the West Coast in our league this year, but he definitely has the game to back it up. 6'3", versatile guard, who I think ultimately, we might disagree here, but I think he trends as a point guard long term. Um, His vision and his feel for the game are super advanced right now, and I I honestly don't think we could talk about that kid enough. He might be the best long-term prospect in the league overall. Yeah, shout out to Sweet P. So we've now seen two sessions of West Coast play, 
and we've seen two sessions of East Coast play, which we're going to touch on in a little bit later. But before we jump into that, what are three dream matchups that you'd like to see between the East and West Coast teams? And you can pick over both the 7th and 8th grade age groups. Okay, let's see. Um, I think the easiest answer to give would be to project who we think the best team in each league is to this point. Um, I, that might be a little difficult, but I think one ma- matchup I'd really like to see would be the New York Lightning versus Paul George Elite. Both teams are loaded on the perimeter, so not only would it be a very entertaining game, but it would have some really good in-game matchups as well. VJ Miller, Isaiah Elohim, and James Evans for PG Elite taking on Elliot Cadeau, Tahad Pettiver, Ja'Kai Sanders, etc., and let's not forget about Team Takeover Grant and their backcourt of Darren Harris, A.J. Swinton, and Bryson Tucker taking on Vegas Elite with Taj DeGorville, Jace Richardson, Josiah Cunningham, and Ryder Ellis Aldez. Those would be two really, really high-level matchups. So in the seventh grade division, I'm locking in on Arizona Supreme versus Team Jacko. For Supreme, their 6-4 post, Jayon Pitt, has dominated the West Circuit so far. So let's see how he matches up against Team Jacko, Twin Towers, Sharif Jackson, and Luke Bevilacqua. If they negated each other, we'd get a chance to see how deep their teams really go behind their bigs, which would be pretty entertaining. That's a solid list. For me, I'd want to see Aim High versus Team United. Both are very big, especially on the perimeter. It'd be an interesting matchup with star power as far as Micah Smith and Cam Scott getting the chance to match up. And depth, because both those teams are very balanced, and they're more than one-man shows by far. Um, Also in the eighth grade, I think a sneaky good matchup could be Team Final versus One-Time Legends. That's interesting to me because it's not quite a like-for-like matchup with Ahmad Noel and Jaquil Regis, but they're arguably two of the most productive guards in their age groups in their respective leagues. I think ultimately Deshaun Brody would be the one that does get matched head-to-head with Ahmad, and I think that would be a really interesting matchup because Mahdi is super skilled, whereas Deshaun's kind of got a physically developed body. Um, It would definitely be a clashing styles thing, and I think ultimately that would be a lot of fun to watch. And then for seventh grade, I have to go with All Vegas, first team final. Again, Tremaine Anderson's going to come up for me here. Going against a very similar guy in Judah Hildago for team final, those two going head-to-head would be, for me, as big a matchup as we can create in the seventh grade division, coast to coast. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. How are you going to talk about All Vegas and not bring up your boy? Not Sweet Pea. Their other super productive hybrid wing big man. Because Come on, man. I wanted to segue you in so you could talk about Chris. But Okay. So I'll be I can be the one to talk about Chris. Chris Nawuli, um, this is a Brian Flynn special. Six four, super athletic. Uh, can do a little bit on the perimeter, but is really best around the rim and in transition. He brings a whole different dimension to that all-Vegas team, and you couple him with Sweet P. Anderson, and they might be the most impressive duo in that division. So go on, Brian. I mean, listen, you're the middle school guru here, so I don't want to come in here and start stepping on your toes. So I need you to discover Chris Nawuli so that way in high school I'm not getting you know people being like, oh, look, you're just a middle school guy. Um All joking aside, there's going to be a matchup that we're going to get a chance to see that we mentioned potentially at finale this year. Um, But L.A. wasn't our only stop, as we have mentioned. So we did hit Boo Williams uh, the following weekend, and that was session two of our East League. Uh, Eric, what was one eighth grade team in the division that really stood out to you? 
I have several. Uh, after calling out Expressions as a team who disappointed me in Session 1, they came back strong in Session 2 and went 3-0 and with wins over the NJ Scholars, PSA Cardinals, and the NJ Players, which puts them back in the playoff hunt. Uh, in our Green League, I was very impressed with Free Bands Elite, Team Durant, Team Takeover Oladipo, and Fidance, who all had impressive weekends and are on a trajectory to have some heavyweight battles at Championship Weekend. You mentioned that Free Bands Elite and Team Durant in the Green Division, they're both sitting at 7-0, and and they are going to get to match up on the Sunday of Session 3, so that's arguably for supremacy in the Green Division, at least regular season version, so... I'm really looking forward to that game. Um, as far as teams that impressed me in that Boo Williams weekend, it has to be the Wrens for the same reason that you were impressed with the expressions. They came into the weekend one and three and knew there was serious work to be done for them to get back into the championship chase. Like for them, they responded going three and zero with wins over you know other bubble teams and the City Rocks, the Scholars. Those wins hold more weight because not only are they picking up the win but they're tacking on another loss to teams that are going to be fighting for that third or fourth playoff position in their division. Now they control their destiny going into District Heights. As far as individual players go, who do you think really stood out to you while we were in Virginia? I think I have to start with A.J. Osmond for Uplay. The 6'3 guard has some serious tools to work with. He had some really nice moments in session two. I think he's a kid that, you know, Canadians are really excited about already as, you know, one of the next up uh, north of the border, and I got a glimpse of that at session two. Then if we want to talk about the continued growth of NJ Scholars, 6'5 guard Nazir Cunningham, he's looking like the possible best prospect in the entire league at this point. Not only has he been super productive, but his game's going to translate you know, for years to come. So I'm really excited about just how much Nazir continues to grow. And then let's talk about two six 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 seven athletic forward types in Team Durant's Emmanuel Okatondo and the New York Rens' six six Nathan Nat Schmala. Both of these guys make it look easy with their mix of size, motor, and athleticism around the rim. Last but not least, let's go with PSA Cardinals point guard Johnel Boogie Fland, whose shot making ability and improved passing skills have him in the mix as one of the top point guards in the league. Who moved the needle for you uh, at E Session Two, Brian? For me, I gotta start by shouting out Julian Granville. The each one teach one point guard was sneaky productive in session one, and that was somebody that we kind of had our eye going on to see how he would show up in session two, and he really responded in a very productive way. Uh, he led them in scoring a couple times. He showed off his vision. He's bigger for a point guard already. I mean, there's a lot to really like with Julian's game, and I think because of some of the other names on each one teach one. Um, he sometimes he gets the tendency to kind of be the, the third guy on that team. Um, I do think he's got a chance to have a very bright future, though. Um, speaking of point guards, Ben Hammond from Boo Williams, you know, we were watching that lightning game, you know, at Boo, that kind of atmosphere, you can't really just create on the fly. Like, there was, that place was as packed out as I've seen any high school game this year. Um, and Hammond Great really game. stepped up when it mattered. I mean, he hit that three to force overtime. He seemed to hit big shot after big shot. And again, to me, that's something that stands out at this stage is yes, guys can be super talented or, or project as great long-term guys, but guys who can take and make big shots in these moments are guys that are already kind of, kind of separating themselves out from the rest of their peers. And Hammond kind of did that this weekend. And then finally for me, coming from the green division, I would say New York lightning forward, Nehemiah McMorris is a name that, 
we need to be aware of moving forward. Uh, he's a really active, lanky, like 6'4 combo forward, ran the floor really well, was getting up, playing around the rim, uh, was active defensively, and, and just a guy that, because of how we do things and allowing kids to come in at session two, kind of came in and, and put himself on the radar right away. Eric, after watching both of them this weekend, I think it's clear that Naz Cunningham and Cam Scott have proven to be the two best wings through the first two sessions. They'll get the chance to go against each other in session three. My question is to you, who do you got in that game? Wow. Talk about a heavy hitter matchup. If you take a look at the two of them, they mirror each other in physical traits. You know, both are in the 6-5 range. They're both polished perimeter threats. I do think Team United is going to roll in this game just based on overall talent and cohesiveness of their group. Um, They've been together for several years now. They just have more firepower overall. Now, you know, throwing in Anthony Gilks for the Scholars kind of gives them a little bit more firepower and gives them somebody else that they need to account for. Don't be shocked to see if uh, Nas ends up getting his 20 regardless of who they throw at him because he'll have to. Um, But Cam's going to facilitate and do everything he needs to do in order to get the win. Plus, I think as he matures and learns how to become more of an alpha, he's going to really bloom. Did I cop out of answering that question? Are you going to make me pick one or the other right now? Uh, I'm not, only because we got some time between now and Session 3. And you mentioned Anthony Gilks. He's the X factor here for that matchup. I mean, he played played with them for the first time in Session 2. So obviously there's going to be some some growing pains there, and, the, and those guys need to learn how to play together. But, um, I mean, I think we're talking about the best three wings if we're throwing Gilks into that conversation, and I think it's going to be kind of confusing to see in session three, you know, who's one, who's two, who's three here. So it's a matter of the depth of United going up against arguably what could be the best one-two punch in the league if those guys, meaning Cunningham and Gilks, can figure out how to play together. Absolutely. So I think the overall theme of this is at session three, you want to have the team United versus NJ Scholars game circled and on your schedule because it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's talk about some of the eighth grade standouts from Boo Williams. Um, My honor roll, I think I want to start with Derek Eli Jr. from Team United. Uh, Sturdy, 5'10", really physical, fearless guard who got it done for them all weekend. Really took the reins as a scorer and gave Team United... A different dimension and really has them looking like they they might be the front runners to win a championship even though they have already taken a loss i know the lightning have something to say about that but i think united continues to be focused um they're a really well coached group and it's going to be a lot of fun to see how you know things continue to play out for them the emergence of Derek has really helped you know instill some more confidence in me and that group as we go forward now, if we talk about Team Takeover Grant, uh, 6'4 wing forward A.J. Swinton had a big weekend for them. As we continue to see that group mold and, and become what they're going to be, let's remember one thing with Team Takeover. What they are in November is going to be vastly different from what they are in March. Now, they've had to deal with Donovan Freeman uh, and multiple injuries for him, so they're still trying to figure out all the pieces. But you can believe that if he's back for championship weekend – and these other guys around him have really learned how to assert themselves and be alphas, it's going to make them you know, a legitimate championship threat already, which we already know they would be. This may actually help them get to just another level of having to do it without Donovan. You bring that point about Freeman. It's kind of, um, kind of Michigan State-y, right? Like the best player arguably on that team goes down. 
everyone else has to step up while that person is gone, and then they pop back in just in time for postseason, and now they're the most dangerous team. So I don't think for a second anyone should count TakeOver out at this point. They've been able to produce just fine without Freeman, and if they get him back and he's actually healthy, they might be the ones that are the actual favorites there. Absolutely, and let's let's even take it a step thir- further. Even if they don't get Donovan Freeman back, they're still going to be in the mix. It's just a matter of, is this going to work itself out, like you said, where this ends up being a blessing in disguise for them. So next up, we want to talk about point guard Keyshawn Tillery Jr. for the City Rocks. Had a very good session, showed some scoring, dist- distributing abilities. Uh, it was very impressive to me overall. Team takeover Oladipo, uh, 6'3 wing Caleb Williams is back. He missed session one with an injury. He was their guy last year in terms of the guy who was really counted on to score points. And obviously his you know return... It was no coincidence that they ended up going 3-0 and that session, so takeover Oladipo is now backfiring on all cylinders. We've talked a little about uh, Anthony Gilks for the NJ Scholars. 6-5, probably closing in on 6-6 wing, um, one of the most gifted players, prospects in the country. Him and Nazir Cunningham together is just a massive problem together. Now, they haven't been able to figure it out in the win-loss column yet, but I think, like we've said, that comes down to just cohesiveness and learning to play with one another. So you could expect in session three for some of their outcomes to be different as they get more and more comfortable with one another. Guard Sincere Bearfield with Team Mello had a really productive weekend, very strong guard. For Fidance, I uh, really like point guard Kafik Myers, went through a major growing spurt um, from last summer to now. He's now in that 5'9 range, really knows how to play, has great court vision. New York Lightning. One guy who we haven't given a lot of fanfare to uh, is point guard Elliot Cadeau. Elliot's one of the most skilled guards that I've seen to this point uh, in the country. His mid-range game is one thing that really separates him from a lot of the other guards in that class. He's going to continue to get better, and he just makes them, obviously, that championship threat because you're surrounding him with so many other talented pieces. Boo Williams, we have guard Kyle Green, another kid who's gone through a growth spurt, matured. Obviously, we know about Ben Hammond, but Kyle Green is starting to really emerge in their backcourt, making them another championship threat. And their team, as we know, is loaded with guys who've been there before, winning the seventh grade championship last year. Team final red, we had guard Kyrie Latimer, who showed his clutch ability by knocking down a step back three to send a game to overtime against Expressions, which they ultimately ended up winning. Uh, Free Band's elite. They have a talented group of perimeter players. I think the most productive that weekend was Elijah Crawford, who used his strong frame to get to the basket whenever he wanted and was definitely one of the highest scorers that we saw in either of the eighth-grade leagues. For expressions, 6'3 wing guard Alex Berry continues to emerge and show that he's really beginning to improve, and he's actually starting to get a little more explosive too. Um, For the NJ players, we had guard Jaden Colsey, who's one of the more skilled mid-range guys that I've seen uh, in the Mid-Atlantic region thus far. So it was a good, you know, weekend overall from him. And then for the skill factory, we had 6'4 forward David Clark, who's going to be one of those kids who really blooms over the next probably 6 to 12 months. And you're going to be hearing a lot more about uh, the Atlanta product. Now, go ahead. Did you have some guys you wanted to talk about or some thoughts on some of these uh, guys that I've already spoken on? No, I mean, you mentioned uh, Cadeau, and I think part of the reason we haven't given him the fanfare that he's probably deserved to this point is because we've come to expect it from him, right? Like, this is his second go-around here. 
he's as productive as anybody else in the league. He knows how to play with those guys. Uh, he really benefits from his shooting ability and with all the talent around him. Um, you can't really key in on him. And, and when you can't give him the attention that he really deserves defensively, he's going to be able to go off at any point. Um, I think overall your 8th grade list was pretty comprehensive, so let's jump into some 7th grade stuff here. I'll start. Uh, I was really impressed with Elijah Small, combo forward for Black Ops. Uh, is not afraid to go down and play on the post or, or go rebound and block shots, do some of the dirty work, but I think ultimately is a kid that could move out onto the wing and, and has shown the kind of quickness laterally that's needed to do that and ball handling ability. Um, Christian Gerdak continues to be one of my favorite players in the seventh grade division. Um, he's probably six six now and and built um, you know like a brick house, honestly. But he's another kid where he gets moving and he could really hurt somebody uh, when he's diving on the floor. And he certainly loves to get down and get dirty there. And he does a lot of the things that kind of helps take over go without really putting up points every single game. And he's okay with that. And, and there's something to be said for that. And then. Finally, uh, my biggest revelation coming out of that weekend was point guard Juwan Smith for Rising Stars, uh, a guy that, again, because of the platform that we have, really put himself on the radar. At 6'2", he was showcasing really advanced handle and feel, vision, got to the rim whenever he wanted, knew that he wanted to touch the paint on basically every possession and put a lot of pressure on defense and, and kind of is a guy that, look, moving forward in New York, I'm very interested to see how he develops. Yeah, so Christian is absolutely a massive kid, and you're absolutely right. I mean, when he gets going, he really can hurt someone. I mean, he's a huge, huge kid, and obviously you add a kid like that to a team takeover group that always has guards, and they're just a dangerous team overall. Juwan Smith I'm really excited to see more of in Session 3, so that has me excited. Now, some of my guys who... I was excited about from the Boo Williams stop. For Black Ops, point guard Peter Morrow, shifty handle, one of those kids who really has you know that flair to his game. He was instrumental in their successes. Uh, for the NJ Shore Shots, who have continued to steamroll teams, uh, post Seth Clark. I mean, he's a big, big boy, and you know he's basically been unstoppable in the in the low block. So, shout out to Made Hoops family and NJ Shore Shots advocate Don DeLeo, who. He's been, you know, coming at our necks about mentioning the shore shots and giving them their credit that's definitely deserved. Here you go, Don. Seth Clark has been instrumental in their success, and we're excited to see what they do in Session 3. For the NJ Scholars, I'm a huge fan of Jordan G., who's probably one of the more skilled 7th graders, uh, big-time shot maker. Uh, I was really pleasantly surprised by his game, and he's definitely one of the younger prospects in that grade, so he's going to continue to evolve. For Expression, if you're talking about versatility, uh, Expression's Elite has one of the most versatile guys in AJ DeBonsa. He showed that he could play multiple positions on the floor for them. Uh, was really effective for that group as they're trying to figure it out. For each one, teach one, point guard Landon Joseph. Really impressive scorer. Continues to show that he could just be a bucket getter for that group who have some really nice pieces around him. You play collective. They came into the circuit as one of the most talked about programs. And they continue to do that uh, or be that now that they've won three more games at Boo Williams. Anchored by wing forward Tracy Kalanda, who's probably, you know, arguably a top three production player in the league to this point. Boo Williams, 
Uh, I'm sure the listeners know a little bit about Jamal Brown and Carmelo Swinson at this point. Carmelo, I thought, had a really good weekend. Obviously, him and Jamal have a certain chemistry that they play with on the floor, but he also showed me an impressive skill game and an ability to make shots. For Team Final, who, as usual, they're anchored by strong guards, I thought Carey Deuce Maxey was really instrumental to their success as he's you know a kid who can go get his own basket, but he's also extremely unselfish, and he knows that he has other competent guys around him who can get things done. And I think any team that's going to win at a high level needs a guy like uh, Deuce on their team. Team Takeover Oladipo, we need to talk about uh, Chase Foster, 6'3", um, huge feet just he, he's a baby at this point in terms of you know what he is versus what he's going to become so I think you know with coach Ray you know working with him he's going to maximize what he can get this year from him and his future looks very bright the Wrens have a talented guard in Joseph Jennings uh, as do the NJ players and Sean Spencer who's probably one of the toughest guards in terms of a guy who won't back down in that division Point guard Mike Jones for USC Unleashed had a nice weekend scoring. Uh, the Gauchos have talented sixth grader Jermel Melmel Thomas playing up in the seventh grade division, and he continues to get things done. So there's a lot of hype for Melmel, but it's been justified to this point in the league. He's doing it on the big stage, which we're pleasantly, you know, not surprised, but excited about that he's actually continuing to evolve and, and get better. Now for Grind Academy, who is also having a very good uh, performance in the league, their wing, Ariel Jones, is one of the bigger, more versatile guys that we've seen. For Blue Wave Elite out of Maine, uh, their orchestrator at the point is Sammy Zayamana, who, you know, coupled with brothers Cooper and Ace Flag, make them a championship contender in that purple seventh grade league. Uh, Team Marsh, another Brian Flynn special. Uh, you got me to go see their 6'4 long forward Tayshawn Smith, and he's looking like probably one of the higher upside prospects in the leagues uh, at the seventh grade level. So uh, shout out to Tayshawn and anyone in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. You want to get used to hearing about this kid because he's got a chance to be very, very good. For Team Durant, we have 6'2 wing guard Zion Chase, who gives them another option in their backcourt. And then for the New York Gauchos, who continue to beat teams and have a good circuit, their guard, Ty Turnage, is turning into a really big shot maker for them. So the Gauchos are learning to fire on all cylinders, and they're getting multiple guys to produce for them, which is encouraging as they continue to win more games on the circuit. That's a pretty comprehensive list, and I really only have one question for you. Uh, You mentioned Don DeLeo. Do you think we will see him again before my 35th birthday, or is that just never going to happen? I miss you, Don. Now, at this session, I finally had a chance to dig deep and catch some of our rising stars and teams in the 6th grade league. In terms of teams, Black Ops, Above All Cost, ASA Select, and USC Unleashed all sit at 7-0 in their leagues, and each has an impressive group of kids. For Black Ops, their guard Sincere Folk looks like he might be the best guard in the 6th grade leagues to this point. Above All Cost has a rising star in Jamal McKnight Jr. who plays up a grade and still makes an imprint on games. ASA Select has done a great job of representing Massachusetts and their backcourt of Justin Yuri and Patrick Ote have been stellar through two sessions. Now, USC Unleashed has an impressive backcourt of their own in Damari Bailey and Yale Davis, and they've put on a, sh- a show so far in league play. A few other sixth grade standouts from Boo Williams. We had guard Corey Dixon from the Blueprint. Uh, if the name sounds familiar, he is the son of Juan Dixon, who is of Maryland Terrapin legend. 
Uh, for the Burks Warriors, we have Michael Miller, who's probably one of the bigger, more versatile pieces in the leagues. Uh, for the NJ Scholars, we have Ethan Mabako and point guard Julian Quinterly. Ethan is the younger brother of uh, nationally touted freshman Mackenzie Mabako, and Julian Quinterly is the brother of Javon Quinterly. And if you see him, you would pretty much think it was a young baby JQ and they have a similar playing style as well so the scholars have you know a pair of of players that we need to continue to monitor for team takeover you have uh, another versatile guy in wing forward Caden Samuels and then for you play I think you have a uh, really talented prospect in 5'8 wing Dwayne Smith Jr. so keep an eye on him as we continue to go through the circuit all right now that we've covered sixth grade let's jump all the way back into high school basketball um I got the chance to go, as you mentioned, I got the chance to go to Springfield to see the Hoopball Classic and the Hoopball Prep Showcase uh, this past weekend. Prep Showcase was put on to kind of um, in congruence with the Hoopball Classic because of the way that the prep school rules are versus the high school rules. I believe that Hoopball wanted to get the most teams while still showing love to kind of those local prep schools because the prep school scene is really uh, big up there. Uh, but let's get into it. So my biggest takeaway from that prep classic is that the K.J. Martin saga, uh, the son of former NBA All-Star Kenyon Martin, uh, K.J. plays very similarly, super active, super bouncy. Um, he was supposed to go to Vanderbilt this year and ultimately chose to do a post-grad year instead at IMG. Uh, he had 34 and 16 in his game on Saturday uh, and looked absolutely fantastic, just catching lobs at the rim, blocking shots, Showing off a little bit of shooting ability, um, he's said that he does not want to go to college. He wants to go the professional route. And um, I think, honestly, that if his last name was something other than Martin and he wasn't KJ's son, um, that he would be probably getting looked at as an overseas type guy. But he is getting that benefit of the doubt because of the bloodlines. Um, So I'll be interested to see that if he gets drafted, where he gets drafted, is he in the G League next year? Does somebody stash him? Um, does he completely 180 if there's a lack of interest professionally and decide to go to college after all? Um, obviously, college isn't for everyone, and this new avenue of overseas play is really starting to be a legitimate option. So that could be where he ends up going, but uh, only time will tell there. Uh, the next thing for me was that Sunrise Christian's postgrad team is just right on bar with the high school team as well. It's one of the best post-grad teams in the country. I mean, Tyron Lawrence is a 6'3", 6'4", point guard who can really score it and is one of the best point guards still available in 2020. And wing forward Jeremiah Odin has really helped his recruitment go from like A-10 and MAC to like Big East, Big 10 now because of his ability to shoot and put the ball on the floor at 6'8", 6'9". Uh, He's a really versatile prospect that I think is only going to become more coveted as we head into the spring signing period here. Um, As far as Hoopal, the first take has to be how crazy the scene was around Braun, Bronny, the whole Sierra Canyon crew. I mean, they had 40 cops there yesterday. Um, You know, some joker, I think it was actually a kid, threw like a starburst at Bronny, and of course that made news nationally. that thing is just a completely different monster as far as what that crew is wise talent or with talent wise and with LeBron kind of always hovering in the background. Um, obviously D Wade because Zaire is there as well. Uh, that's like something that we've never really seen at this level before. 
and it's really fun to kind of watch that play out in real time. And to Bronny's credit, if you didn't know that his name was Bronny, if you just gave him a completely different name, uh, he does not carry himself like the you would assume that the son of LeBron James does. Um, and then the other big takeaway I have from that was that Montverde is the best high school team that I have seen in the 10 years that I've been doing this. Uh, Cade Cunningham is my pick for number one in the country. And then you have UNC commit Daron Sharp and Arkansas commit Moses Moody and Michigan commit Zeb Jackson. And that's just their senior class. Langston Love, Derek Whitehead, and Caleb Houston are all, you know, high, high level prospects that are going to be able to pick wherever they want to go. And it's not even their team yet. So Montverde continues to roll. I mean, they're 19 and 0 now. They just beat IMG a second time. Um, you know, they're basically a monster that's probably the favorite, well, is the favorite for a national championship this year. All right, that just about does it for this episode. Uh, before we leave, I want to make sure I give a shout out to uh, the Boo Williams concession stand. Uh, their fish sandwich combo is incredible. Uh, we've made it a point to talk about food on every one of these podcasts, so I want to make sure that we. We talked a little bit about the Boo Williams famous fish, and if you haven't tried it yet, which most hoop heads have who've been there, you're really missing out. So thank you for tuning in to episode five of the Made Hoops podcast. Please make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow Made Hoops on social media platforms, Instagram and Twitter at Made Hoops. You can find me on social media at Eric underscore Hampford. Brian, where can the listeners find you on social? You can find me at Made on Twitter and Hoops on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out our partner at Pure Hoops Media for their extensive storytelling, insight, and analysis in the world of basketball.